The Revelry Room is Chattanooga's newest 500-capacity venue and also Track 29's Kid Sister Venue, located on Station Street on the south side of Chattanooga, hosting national, regional, and local talent in a more intimate setting. Check out the Revelry Room calendar at www.revelryroom.co and join our street team, the Dispatchers, to be even more a part of bringing music to Chattanooga. I have actually been on the street team for a couple of years now. I get to go to cool events and get show tickets for free. It's also a great way to meet other people who love music. If you would like more information, feel free to ask. You are listening to Open Mic Spotlight with Heather Lee Holt. Spotlight is a weekly podcast featuring intimate conversations and performances with musicians and artists from Chattanooga and the surrounding areas. Take a closer look at all the wonderful talent and culture the Chattanooga music scene has to offer. Welcome to another episode of Open Mic Spotlight. I'm your host, Heather Lee Holt, and today we have Randy Steele here. Hello, Randy. Hey, Heather. How's it going? How's it going? Doing good. I really appreciate you having me up. Yeah, I'm so grateful to have you here. You are a local musician, and you have a band, and you play bluegrass music. I call it the Lord's music, but you can call it bluegrass music <laughs> if you'd like. You play guitar and banjo, and you just came out with a new album. I did a solo album, and this year being 2016, I started it in the very first part of the year, around January, February, and then we finished it in the fall, sometime around September, October, and just put it out in November. I have to say, I've listened to it over and over and over again. I appreciate that. Thanks. I, I'm glad. I wasn't expecting that because, you know, it's just... I don't know. I don't listen to a lot of bluegrass, but I saw a post that Stratton made, actually, about your album. And I was like, hmm, let me check that out. And I listened, and I loved it. And I said, mm, yep, I have to have him on my podcast immediately. <laughs> I appreciate it. Yeah, Stratton Tingle, hey, that's a, that dude is such a good addition to the local Chattanooga music economy. That's one of the cool things about that Soundcore group is that Stratton and I are definitely on different trajectories and probably wouldn't have met had it not been for Soundcore. I'm so glad we did. We've had some really cool jam sessions and you know, him being primarily an electronic musician and me being primarily an acoustic musician, it would have been tough normally for us to cross paths, but through that Soundcore connection, we really did. Yeah. Well, have you ever heard him play the acoustic guitar? Yeah, yeah, I'll play that. Yeah. Oh, he is. He's great, yeah. So I think we're going to get quickly into a song. Yeah, all right, sure. What about a girl named Lily? Okay, so this song um, is actually uh, one of the songs that started the album. I've been messing around with it for a while. It was a little bit too slow for a Slim Pickett song, but I really like the storyline. I really like the chord progression because it was a little bit of a somewhat standard chord progression that had a like a hitch or a giddy up to it. It's like a little strange thing to it. That's that stuff appeals to me. But this is called Angels with Halos. Tuesday, 
had the package store on I-55 She looked up when she heard him answer my name She smiled but there were tears in her eyes I used to picture you so clearly But now time has taken away my memory Until I wonder if you were even here with me Angels with halos don't have to holler They don't owe nobody money And they don't bomb no cigarettes Angels with pretty wings don't need a ride But honey, you ain't no angel Couple of weeks after your second DUI But quitting don't weigh half as much craving And all you needed was a ride Still think of you each Labor Day weekend And I think of you again time to time And I wonder just where the hell have you been Don't have to holler They don't owe nobody money And they don't bomb no cigarettes Angels with pretty wings Don't need a ride Oh, but honey, you ain't no angel Oh, but honey, you ain't no angel My foot was tapping the whole time I love this song because my dog's name is Lily, and if you know me, I'm obsessed with my dog. So. <laughs> I got I got one too. I got one named Rosie. Uh, yeah, I, I'll play a I'll play a Rosie song for you here in a minute too. Yeah. <laughs> Do you have a song about your doggy? <laughs> no, I don't. But I got one with a girl named Rosie. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> it works. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, my dog's terrible. She's just too bad of a dog to write songs about. It'd just be. Why did you shred our Christmas presents? Yeah. Maybe that's a good song, though, you know? It might be good fodder. Maybe people can understand, you know? Yeah. <laughs> well, let's talk about your past a little bit. So where'd you come from? Are you from Chattanooga? Well, I grew up in Bradley County. lived there till I was about 14 or 15, and then I moved up to Ohio. And I lived there for a few years, about a year and a half or so, and then moved back down here. Graduated... 18 or so, lived there in Cleveland, then moved up to Knoxville and went to school, moved back to Chattanooga in, in 2000, so I got a job here. Where so did you get a job at? I work for the fire department, for the Chattanooga Fire Department. I've been a fireman. Oh, you still do? Yeah, I've been a fireman for 16 years now. Oh. I'm the captain on Engine 5 in Highland Park. That is so off, cool. Right off Willow Street, yeah. So I guess that gives you a little bit of time. Yeah, yeah. Okay. That's, that's uh, the good and the bad is that I work 24-hour shifts. So by law, I'm really only able to do about 10 of those a month. So that gives me 20 days or so when I'm off to be able to play music or travel or do whatever. Once the job came through in Chattanooga, we just dedicated to the town. And we've really loved being here. It's been, it really has been a huge blessing just to be able to play music. And I mean, when Slip Pickens was kind of first kind of getting going, we all lived within walking distance of each other, so we could go play music, and, and we had so much fun, you know, kind of getting together and, and playing. for everyone listening, Slim Pickens is your band. Yeah, Bluegrass Band, and that's probably what I'm most known for is playing the banjo on Slim Pickens. We've opened up and played with just about everybody in the bluegrass world over the last number of years. We toured Belgium and Holland this year, did like 28 dates out there. That's and, crazy. Yeah. Still a local band. It's just, there's such a big market over there for, they really call it American Roots music. They loved the banjo. At really? Like you would not believe, especially Scruggs style banjo, because they're just not used to hearing it. There's pretty good bluegrass scene in a couple of different spots in Europe, but there was no bluegrass scene where we went. It's kind of funny 
they were really into rockabilly. And so the company that hired us to go do this tour primarily just do rockabilly stuff. And now yeah. they're starting to book a bunch of bluegrass bands. Uh, some friends of ours are over there right now. So did you get a hold of them or did they find out about you and contact you? No, they contacted us. There's a company over there. They booked all our shows. They gave us a place to stay. We had a tour manager. That is incredible. You know, and a whole sound man. And we we played all these different random bars. We played these like really cool festivals. And How long was your tour? We did 28 shows in 26 days. That sounds incredible. Running hard playing. That, was that sounds so fun. It was amazing, yeah. It's funny, too, because they're... There, you know, over there, it was like, we got a big day today, guys. We got to drive two hours. And we were like, two hours? All right, yeah, no problem, dude. We can do that yeah. backwards. We'll drive two hours in reverse to get where we got to get, you know? I mean, sure. On Tuesday, I'm <laughs> driving two hours for a 15-minute set. Yeah, yeah. You know? Yeah. In Europe, it's a whole different setup, you know? That's amazing. Ah, I know for a seasoned musician, 28 shows in 26 days sounds daunting, but... Man, that sounds like a dream to me yeah. to be able to play. That well, and we were we all felt the exact same way. Like when the opportunity came, we just jumped on it. Once we got back, it was like we really had to turn around and ramp up and save money to kind of get everything going for the European show. Yeah. And once we got back from Europe, we we hit the circuit pretty hard there for about a month and a half and saved up enough money to finish the album. So you recorded your own album, your solo album, in Muscle Shoals. The solo album started in Muscle Shoals at Fame Studios. Rick Hall has been the one who started and run Fame Studios forever. I sent him a couple cuts and said, hey, I'd like to come down there and record. And he said, come on. And so we went down there and did two different sessions in Muscle Shoals. I had a great time there. Muscle Shoals is 60 years of history. Yeah. And then I got, you know, Dwayne, like this amp, Dwayne Almond played through this amp on this. And and all these people have played. Mm-hmm. I mean, their history is, is crazy huge. I feel like I watched a Netflix documentary that talked about that recently. Muscle Shoals Sound or something like that. Yeah. yeah. It's about Fame Studios. Uh-huh. And, and there's a lot of great people who've recorded in both of those studios. Jason Isbell. It, it's a great place. I mean... The people there were really, really, really cool. They were really great with me. I have a history there. I have an uncle who was a Fame studio musician, and that was the reason why I really looked into Fame. He played with everybody, like Mac Davis. He's played with all kinds of people that came through Fame and had all these, you know, big records. I kind of wanted to be part of that family name, you know, and yeah. go down there. But I didn't. I definitely wanted to do it on my own, so I didn't really tell him about it until I went down there. And as I was going down there, I was. You know, I called Rodney and told him, it's like, hey, by the way, you know, like, my uncle is Tim Henson, you know, and he he was a studio musician for you guys for a couple of years. Rodney went and talked to his mom and dad about it, and his mom came down, you know, told me all these things about my uncle. He recorded a solo album there that Rick Hall produced. It was just called Henson. That's amazing. Yeah. That's yeah. so, that's such it a It was cool pretty story. cool. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Before we get talking about something else, let's do a cover. Ah, uh, Okay. What are you going to play? Well, what do you want to hear? How about uh, Daryl Scott? Daryl Scott and Tim O'Brien recorded the song, uh, and hopefully I'll do the song justice. This is called uh, With a Memory Like Mine. I can see that train come. See them big lights shine this way. Hear the whistle softly blow Lord, it's been an awful day I said leave that Friday morning It was in the month of May I told my son to be a good soldier But turn again someday Turn one year later, but nothing say baggage card is where we travel in a casket where he lay. Train man, keep the whistle blowing, make it more, make it wide. You can make a man feel mighty lonesome with a memory. 
song yeah. daryl scott just the greatest you have such a unique voice I I, you know i've heard other people say that before i'm trying to figure out if it's a compliment no it's definitely a compliment you know being the indie lover that i am i'm all about uniqueness yeah yeah i mean i love like elliot smith and conroe burst and yeah man those days are great elliot smith oh man i hadn't listened to him in a, in a little bit but i used to listen to him quite a bit i got through i you know how it is, man. You go through phases and you start listening to people. You know, through many and Elliot Smith phases. <laughs> yeah. I have this tattoo on my wrist. Right nice. Here. I mean, I'm obsessed. Yeah. You and my wife would get along pretty well because she's a big Elliot Smith <laughs> I fan. I need to meet her. Yeah, she's a big Elliot Smith fan as well. She opened a store two years ago in North Chattanooga called Mangoes and that lamp that's sitting on top of this thing. I told him earlier before, a couple months back last time I was over here, she imported that monkey lamp that's sitting right there. Yeah, she imported like... Probably 2002, 2003. That's where is that store? It's on Cherokee Boulevard. You know where Suck Creek Cycle is? Yeah. Right next door. That's so fun. Yeah. Okay, let's talk about how you started music. So obviously it runs in your family. Even before, you know, my uncle, my grandfather was the one who really got me interested. My grandfather was a Pentecostal preacher for the Church of God for our, his entire life. And he, when my mom was a little girl, they were like a Pentecostal family band that would travel around and play. Growing up, my mom was a singer. I started off listening to her sing as a gospel trio with my aunt and uh, this other fella, and they would travel all over the place. I'd say listen to my mom play or listen to my mom sing is where I learned how to practice like you have to kind of weigh that discipline between the creative process and the actual nuts and bolts get down oh, to playing yeah. it and stuff. For a lot of people, it's the hardest part. You know, you hear people who have some really great ideas if they would just sit down and work through them for a couple of hours, you know, they could really come through. So really my mom was a huge influence musically. She was always willing to kind of go the extra mile to get me And she played guitar involved. or just sang? And played she piano. sang and played piano, but she mm -hmm. mostly just sang. Mm -hmm. She used to, like, 
sneak me Led Zeppelin CDs because I grew up Church of God and I really liked Led Zeppelin when I was a kid. My dad was really against it. I don't think he really understood they were just singing about you know, Tolkien songs. You know, I was coming up in mid-80s to early 90s, and that Led Zeppelin box set came out in the year 89 or something like that, where they digitally remastered, mm-hmm. and CDs were like a new thing, too. I got it for Christmas, and my dad, he flipped his lid when he found out about it, and he took them away from me. And then uh, my mom, she put them in snuck like a little thing and snuck them back to me. <laughs> I never, I really will never forget that. That was probably like one of the coolest things my mom ever did, you know. was I mean, Led Zeppelin Four was such a huge influence on me. You know how it is, man. You're like uh, 13, 12, 13, angst-ridden. Everything's changing. You don't understand why. Mm-hmm. And um, and when I was about that age, my parents got divorced, and we moved to Ohio. My mom ended up moving back to Tennessee. I stayed with my dad for a little bit, but I ended up moving back to Tennessee with my mom. That whole summer was where I really started playing guitar, my mom was really into making sure we had instruments, any instrument we wanted. Did you take lessons? I tried. We did lessons from time to time, but it was really tough for me. I got Led Zeppelin Complete. Led Zeppelin Complete was the tabs for all every Led Zeppelin song you can think of. I think that's kind of where the singer-songwriter thing for me even started to happen was because I learned all these Led Zeppelin songs in that style of no guitar solos or no nothing, whatever. Just I had to sing them along. It to make sense. Graduated. Were you in a band in high school or anything? Yeah, I did. That was one of the things that got me kind of turning me for music for a while. Oh. But it was, no, it was a good story. I played in a band called Blazunk when I was coming out of high school and going into college. We were basically like an Almond Brothers cover band with mm-hmm. a couple originals. And we were all really into the Almond Brothers and all really into the Grateful Dead and stuff like that. It was a really it was a big jam band. We had played in a, a myriad of different bands all together in high school. But once we got out of high school, we started playing, and we started getting gigs everywhere. We started getting gigs in Knoxville and Atlanta from wow. Cleveland, you know? So we were all, like, fired up So because we like were— 18, 19. Yeah, at night, we couldn't—we could not drink in the bars, but we could go play them, you know? And it was it was crazy. We played a bunch, and it, it derailed my parents' college plan for me because it's really tough to go to college or sit and study at 18 years old when I know for sure I can go make 400 bucks in one night just mm-hmm. riding up the road. Mm-hmm. And so I did that for a while. And so I set myself back a little bit because I had that experience of traveling around and playing. You know, it was a good experience. A couple of us decided at the same time that we all needed to go to Music. school. And so Todd Parks, the bass player, went there. Our drummer went there. And then I followed suit about a year later. Did you study there. guitar? And I studied studio music and jazz guitar was my major. I did it for about a year. While I was there, I noticed, number one, the guitar players that were up there were head and shoulders above me. I was studying studio music and jazz guitar because jazz guitar was the only guitar major you could have, you know? Yeah. And, and so like that. Yeah, yeah. If you want to go for, like, rock, you have to go to... You know, Atlanta Institute. Or yeah, there's no Willie Nelson degree, you know? <laughs> you know? So it wasn't a passion for me. Mm-hmm. But I really studied hard, and I stayed in school up there for about a year. But I noticed, too, one of the things that was going on was I was paying for my school for my, myself. Um, in the summers, I would guide rafts at the Okoe and would save money for school in the fall, right? Mm-hmm. And then I would just live in a tent all summer long and just that was like all my paychecks all my tips and everything would just go straight to school for the most part would go to yeah i mean there was a beer fund you know but there was like you know it was pretty much all school i started noticing that i was paying this money and there was a lot of people that were graduating with those degrees that weren't getting jobs you know Mm -hmm. and so i was like i really was trying to figure out end game here i was like well i mean you start thinking about it you get a master's degree in music so i did a year of it and I noticed that there was, uh, that was the big thing that turned me was that I knew a guy who graduated and he wasn't working, you know, right away. Mm-hmm. So uh, I decided I wanted to get an EMT license. I decided to drop out of UTK after my first year. And then I ended up getting an EMT license that next year. It took me a year to get it. At the time, now you can do it in one semester. Right. But yeah. at the time, it took a year. My whole goal was just to find a fire department job somewhere. I was really... It's hard to get in that business these days. Well, I lucked out in Chattanooga. At the time, it was a lot of nepotism. It was like, you got to know somebody. Mm-hmm. And there's and these people's brothers can get in, but with whatever, no education. But if you don't know somebody, you can't get in. Luckily, a lot of that's changed. 
We're gonna pause for a second because I want to hear some more some more music. Hopefully, you'll pick one off your new album too. All right, all right. This will go along with what I'm talking about. Um, this is a Ronnie Bowman song. It's called "Love for an Angel." She don't love this man Her eyes shine like diamonds Her hair is black as coal When she smiles I get weak and knees I'm in love with an angel No one can disagree about that angel I ain't in love with me well, If I spend another night without sleeping She swore she would love me till death did his part when I placed that golden ring upon her hand. Her gaze towards another broad race in my heart. Now she's lying asleep beneath the sand. Well, if I spend another night without sleeping, I think that I'm going insane. A love that stained me has faded away, and my tears are falling. For this heartbroken man If I spend another night without sleeping I think that I'm going insane A love that stained me has faded away And my tears are falling like rain Lord, my tears are falling like rain That was good. Ronnie Bowen. Great. Now we will take a short break and hear a little bit about our sponsor. The Revelry Room is Chattanooga's newest 500 capacity venue and also Track 29's Kid Sister Venue, located on Station Street on the south side of Chattanooga, hosting national, regional, and local talent in a more intimate setting. Check out the Revelry Room calendar at www.revelryroom.co and join our street team, the Dispatchers, to be even more a part of bringing music to Chattanooga. I have actually been on the street team for a couple of years now. I get to go to cool events and get show tickets for free. It's also a great way to meet other people who love music. If you would like more information, feel free to ask. I started getting into a lot of that kind of stuff, a lot of bluegrass stuff. And then it kind of overtook you. I got, I got obsessive with it. I turned into a straight banjo nerd. How I mean, did I, you meet all the people in your band? That's a funny story. That's a funny story. When I first started playing with the banjo, I started playing with a bunch of those old fellas that I had played with before. That guy, Jeremy Montgomery, I was talking about played the electric guitar. And I had a buddy named Ivan and Todd Parks. Todd Parks is the bass player for the Sam Bush Band. He's the one who finished school, and then he finished school again. I think his degree was in like four string theory or something like a master's degree because he's a bass player and he's an unbelievable bass player. You should you should definitely check him out if yeah. you have a chance. From Cleveland, Tennessee, you know, played all over the world. Now I was introduced to bluegrass as it being you know this kind of hang around jammy. We'd sit around and have beers and cook barbecue and whatever. I was playing with these guys and we would play basically like once every other week. It didn't matter if you were the world's greatest musician or were just like learning, you just knew Cripple Creek. All those same people would be sitting around in jam sessions playing and drinking beer and moonshine or whatever and just mm-hmm. having a good time. So anyway, so the guy who, who knew all the songs moved. He moved to Kentucky. So got together every now and again, but we just didn't get together and play like we used to. And uh, I did about two, three years of really playing the banjo by myself a lot and really learning the instrument. But I was really bummed that I didn't have anybody to play with. So 
uh, my wife and I ended up moving to North Chattanooga while we were building a house. I think I was at the fire hall one day and saw a Craigslist ad <laughs> for a hot female banjo player. <laughs> Local bluegrass band needs a hot female banjo player. And so uh, I sent an email to this dude, and I was like, hey, I'm not a hot female, but I am a banjo player. You know, I'll, I like to jam with some other people, so if you, you know, ever whatever. Well, it turned out to be Slim Pickens, those fellas. Pretty much the band that is now, and one other dude. And this other guy played bass. We had two guitar players. A guy named Dave Ayers played the bass. And he's the one who'd put the ad out, right, because they needed a banjo player. So I go and play with those guys just one night randomly. And then, really, we've been playing together ever since. That was 2008. We've been pretty hard at it, you know, ever since then. And it's been really, I would say, I probably met four of my closest friends that night. You know, like I sat down with them, and it was all about music was what introduced us together. But, I mean, we've been, we've all been through so much together in the last eight, you know, plus years that we've been playing. Slim Pickens and Bluegrass is what it is, and our plan is what it is. But it'll always be that small back burner. But I feel back. like if you're still a band after eight years, <laughs> yeah, it, you have to be close friends because yeah, if yeah. you're not, it will never work. Yeah, it's tough. I want to hear a banjo song. It's called Adam and Rose. One horse north, Alabama town. Scared of his own shadow, he ran the table and she ran the rest. Off and running wild, Adam and Rose and an unborn child. Was the son of a carpenter, a local deacon, a chosen one. Rose didn't know a day without a heart until she found her way into poor Adam's arms. Scared of his own shadow, he ran the table and she ran the rest. Mama cried, she prayed to the Lord to keep him in his side. Rose made other plans, or so it seems. She left him standing out at exit 17. Scared of his own shadow, he ran the table and she ran the rest. Away on that October night or that November day. Adam still yearns and his heart gently aches in the autumn wind blows. Scared of his own 
Ladies are good at that thing. <laughs> Thanks. I appreciate Golly. it. Golly. Get out. Do you have anything that you can play off your new album with that? Oh, yeah, yeah. I played banjo on a bunch of that stuff. Um, some of the stuff that's on there... Um, some of the stuff that's on there you wouldn't even know is really a banjo because I brought a resonator banjo down to fame. <clears throat> the last song that's on that album, To the New Perspective, is me playing that resonator banjo and singing. It's a pretty cool song, and I've recorded it a couple times. I'll play um, one of the songs that's on that album that seems kind of out of place when you listen to the whole album, maybe a little bit, um, but there's a really, really super cool story behind it. It's a song called Shove the Pig's Foot a Little Closer to the Fire. John Bulware, the fiddle player for Slim Pickens, uh, he and I ended up at Fame Studios. We did two days at Muscle Shoals. We did one day together. The first day, it was just me and John. The second day, the rest of Slim Pickens was supposed to show up. They were supposed to be there at like first thing in the morning, like 9 or 10 or something. And they're, I get a phone call like right when we walk in the door, and they're like running late because one of those dudes figured out that unclaimed baggage was on the way to Muscle Shoals from Chattanooga, right? John and I weren't supposed to be done with our stuff yet, but we had they they assumed that we were going to be still recording stuff, but we were out of stuff, and so uh, John and I came up with this idea to play this. And these are two old time bluegrass songs, and we decided to do one into the other into the other. So it ended up being what's normally one song is a two part song, and one song is a five part song. Ended up being one big nine part song, right? So I hadn't played it in a while, so I don't screw it up too bad. But this is a uh, this is Shove the Pig's Foot, Closer to the Fire, and Little Rabbit. Like uh, like three dudes in Sequatchie County, he will hear that and just be so enraged at how you know like old time guys are different than bluegrass guys. Old time guys are really particular. You're supposed to go and uh, not uh. <laughs> you know how it is. <laughs> Let's talk about how you've seen the Chattanooga music scene change over the past five ten years. It's definitely changed. I think it's a bit cyclical, but I think we're at kind of li- a little bit of a precipice right now. Especially with, you know, there's a lot of people who are willing to put a lot of money into bringing music to Chattanooga. I, I think a lot of that has to do with, you know, the Kinsey's bringing Track 29. And there was a huge hole in the market. I think they really nailed it by opening Track 29 and then in turn kind of putting Revelry Room up there. 
I mean, I think that influenced Memorial and Tivoli to do what they did. Yeah, I agree. I think it was like, well, you know, you kind of got to step your game Uh up, you know. You know, you tack on to all of that going on with Soundcore and what is going on at the Raw and even Mayo's and all of these places are really, really starting to see the, you know, kind of see what JJ saw a long time ago, which was the the value of local music. And, you know, it's um, one of the things about Chattanooga. I think Chattanooga is really, really music rich right now and maybe a little bit audience poor. Sometimes I really wish that it was like, like I've seen some shows come through town that I'm like, man, I, if this was Nashville or if this was Athens, this would be sold out for weeks and and you still see tickets available. But I mean, it's starting to happen. <laughs> yeah. That's, Everybody's starting to work together and sort of fight each other, which that's, is amazing. I agree. I think that's a huge part of it is that people are starting to see that it's not as much of a competition, especially because it really is such a great music town. I mean, I play gigs in Birmingham, Tuscaloosa, Knoxville, Nashville, Atlanta, Athens. I've played gigs in all of those places and drove home and was able to, you know, get in my bed that night. It's pretty tough to say that living in Nashville, you know, that really changes. the. That's one of the things that Chattanooga has that not very many towns have. Really, Birmingham is about the only other one that can really claim to be quick day trips. Central. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's as centrally located. It's just we just don't have that, like, music town moniker. But it's coming. It's you know? coming. It's and coming. As the city grows, it's it's growing with it. Yeah, I agree. I agree. And, and we really have gotten a lot of support from a lot of a lot of different people and a lot of different nonprofits. And, you know, even Songbirds opened it up. Having a museum like that with... Oh, that's going to be awesome. It's going to be so good for this town. So this is a song we recorded in 2013 uh, on Slim Pickens' first album. No, if he, whatever. So anyway, I, we were working this song out, and Becky said, uh, why don't you try telling this from the point of view of the mountain, of Signal Mountain? Honestly, I thought I didn't really like the idea very much. So, and it definitely, I didn't feel like it fit with the song. Um, but I was trying to learn, you know, and this is like this somebody I really respected as a songwriter telling me to do this. So I thought, uh, I'll try another song with it. And that was how this whole song, Hideaway, was like kind of born. Uh, this is one of the second to last songs on the album. Yeah, I really like this song. Probably why I listened to this album like five times in a row. Only to renew 
still solid as a rock There's a hole in heaven where time begins to fade And an hour is the same as a minute or a day And there ain't no place to run Signal Mountain, Tennessee. <laughs> so I want you to do one more song. Mm-hmm. But first, thank you for coming tonight. Oh, man. To Practica Galactica. Thank you, Jesse, for hosting us and mixing for us and making this happen. Man, Jesse Junkert. I'm a, anytime, all you got to do is call. If you say, hey, come down to the valley and play your guitar or your banjo, I'll, I'll come to Lookout Valley to play just about anywhere. Well, I'll be calling then. <laughs> Keep your phone on. Yeah. <laughs> this is uh, a song about drinking and hanging a preacher. <laughs> it's called uh, One Man Stringer. He grew up far an acre of the Muscadines. A distant cousin to the Roanoke Vines. People came from all around to this little country town. To have a drink on Saturday night. A willow he made it taste just like tea, and everybody felt that camaraderie. From his anecdotes and stories, reliving old time glories and just drinking out on Saturday night. Swallow the hook, taste of the rhyme. Just keep holding on, they just keep pulling that line. Local preacher didn't seem to be amused. Sunday's hymnal stank of Saturday's booze. He brought it up once in a meeting But who died and left him king Of everybody's Saturday nights Undeterred and with a card of herb sign Cut with bleach and a tablespoon of pride He spread the vine down to the roots Got a little on his boots And he left the trail on Saturday night Just keep holding on, just keep pulling that line. Well, the leaves are wilted and they ain't turned to brown. Withered muscadines 
how angry they would be when they caught him on that Saturday night. Well, the farmer was the one who took the lead. The jack his sorry ass to a cottonwood tree. One man stringer was called. They put a gaffer in his jaw and they strung him up on Saturday night. Swallow the hook, taste of the brine. They just keep holding on. They just keep pulling that line. Thank you so much. Oh man, I'm glad you had me up. This has been a great time. I appreciate it. Yeah. <laughs>